Well, welcome to Navigating Change with Shane and Mike. With me, Shane Bishop. My name is Mike Wooten. We're happy to have you join us. In this episode, do you or someone you know struggle through the holiday season? This is commonly referred to as Blue Christmas. Today, we're going to talk with Pastor Carmen Weevils, pastor of Congregational Care, as we look to navigate through the difficulties that the holidays can bring. But first, let me bring in Shane. Shane, come on in. How's it going? Good. Good, Mike. You do realize I was just sitting here. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, get, I get into the script a little bit. I like it. Yeah. yeah, you, yeah. Were, you, you were. Uh, I was like, just sitting here and then you said, come on in. Well, I didn't All know. Right. I um, thought you might have been thinking about baseball stats. No, 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 no. no. I, was, I was actually thinking about uh, the holidays. Okay. You know, and this blue Christmas, because this is going to be like blue times two, right? Because, you know, you got all the family <laughs> together like they always do. Yeah. You got all the normal baggage that, that people might bring into yeah. this of, of loss. And it's kind of exacerbated by what's going on. So I was just kind of thinking, man, uh, <laughs> this is a pretty relevant topic right now on this blue Christmas thing. So, yeah, Mike, I'm here, man. I'm here. I'm locked in. I'm paying a lot more attention than normal. Well, I noticed not only you're here, we also have uh, Pastor Carmen here as well. Uh, Carmen is the Congregational Care Pastor of uh, Christ Church. And Carmen, could you just introduce yourself a little bit and just go ahead and go into what the holidays mean for you? Sure. First of all, I'd like to say this is my first podcast and I am having a ball already. <laughs> good, good, good. Because we've done several and and for me, they just keep losing ground and I keep losing interest. So we have guests on to try to throw a little energy. So Carmen, thank you. Yeah, it is a pleasure to be here. Um, as Reverend Mike said, my name is Carmen and I am the pastor of Congregational Care here and we um, do things from a medical perspective. I'm also a nurse as well as pastoral care. So things have really changed um, our model of congregational care during this time, but uh, we are adjusting. And um, if, if there is any needs out there that uh, we are not meeting, we certainly want to hear about those. You know, um, unfortunately, as Reverend Shane was speaking of these crazy days and um, so much loss over the last nine months, I tell you, people have not um, just, they've lost their finances, they've lost their jobs, children have not had the opportunity to graduate from school, um, families' lives have been turned upside down because of um, you know, their, their daily lives have been turned up, upside down as kids were Zooming on school and all these different things. Just uh, people are grieving normalcy of life. And uh, I, I'm not sure that we'll ever get back there. But as we go into the holidays, uh, you know, grief um, is going to affect all of us in some way. So, um, you know, when you talk about broken relationships and grief for the, the way our holiday celebrations used to be. I was just talking with my mom and dad this morning and because uh, we really hadn't talked. We always just get together and we have an open house at my house and the, the kids, my nieces and nephews come and mom and dad said, you know, I guess, guess we're not coming. So um, just changes for everyone, yeah. the way we celebrate and um, the way you had your gatherings. It's uh, all going to look, look different. Yeah, absolutely. So people are carrying grief already just from this regular year. Uh, and then we have people who obviously are have intense grief, and we'll talk about that in a little while. But Shane, as we start out, how do you think people just find hope during the holiday season? When people are just looking for hope, and especially maybe people who have this 
blue Christmas, this time when they're just carrying grief? How do people find it? Well, I think one of the things we have to be aware of is people are going into the holidays damaged this year. I think we're all damaged goods uh, after 2020. I think every one of us is damaged emotionally in, in some way. Just to give you an example, Mike, when, when you started the show today, you said, Shane, come on in here. And I was sitting right here, Mike. You couldn't even tell that I was sitting right here, but felt in some, you know, what would you say, delusional way? That maybe I was walking through think, the door because that was happening in your mind. I think that was the word you would use. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But in all seriousness, I do think, Mike, that we are damaged. Yeah. And going into the holidays is simply going to exacerbate if people struggle with the holidays yeah. anyway because oh they associate yeah. them with a death or something difficult. Yeah. It's only going to exacerbate that. So where we are going to be unable to find hope is in large family gatherings. <laughs> That's where we're going to be unable to find hope. So yeah. the hope is going to have to come from the essence of the holiday itself, the hope mm. of Christ. And I don't want to be uh, snarky about this, but if your hope is in Christmas, mm, in the yeah. sense the American Christmas is celebrated, there's not going to be much hope this year. Right. If your hope is in Christ, then I think there is plenty of hope and maybe more hope than ever because yeah. it's a tough year. I think part of it is what you're saying is that you got to look for the opportunity in the midst of this, right? And, and Christ is ever available. I was just talking with someone through every season. We have good seasons. We have bad seasons. Christ is always there. And I think in a difficult season, uh, you know, he is still there for us. And we got to take advantage of that opportunity. Carmen, what about you? What about finding hope during the holiday season? season? How can people yeah. find it? Sure. No, I totally agree. You know, even um, I think it's a good time to uh, reach out to somebody who's been through it. And that is for sure. God, oh, yeah. God has been through when he sent his son, Jesus, Jesus was here on the earth and he experienced some of the same feelings that we do. And I think um, making certain that we are taking those concerns and cares and struggles uh, to, to God is so important. You know, I was just talking with one of my colleagues from seminary, um, on to Monday, I guess it was. Um, and the, over this last year, she lost both her dad and her mom. And so um, her struggles going into the holiday look a lot different than um, other folks. Um, but, but yeah, just uh, getting close, drawing closer to God because he genuinely understands everything that we're going through and cares for us. So, and Carmen, I think part of the challenge in every holiday season is how do we deal with the empty chair? Mm, yeah. The chair that someone sat in last year that is now empty. Mm -hmm. How dealing with the empty chair, I think, is the challenge. And, and the challenge is now ratcheted up. How do emotionally damaged people, which I think is all of us, deal with the empty chair? I, I think that's really what we've got in front of us. And that comes to, you know, how do you honor loved ones who have passed during the holidays and I was thinking of a simple way. So maybe this doesn't work for people with intense grief, but a simple way, you know, family food dishes that have been passed on from one generation to the next is a way that you can remember and honor those people who came before you. Uh, you know, Val when Valerie and I were dating my wife, I went to her family Thanksgiving for the very first time. And it was a fairly large gathering at her grandmother's house. 
and I got to meet her grandmother, extended family for the first time. Uh, but what I found out when I got there is that they didn't have a traditional turkey meal. No, no, no. They had some type of lasagna on Thanksgiving. They called it grandma's lasagna, which I guess everyone loved to eat. I was not happy about it. And I was a very picky eater. The idea of having lasagna didn't sound like delicious or Thanksgiving-esque. Uh, and when we got to the table, I saw Valerie's grandma take out these two big pans covered in foil uh, from a wall oven. And I was getting mentally ready to eat it. Uh, but then when she, when she took the tinfoil off, it was, there wasn't even a red sauce. So it wasn't even a typical lasagna. It was a pasta and cheese and hamburger mix that got thrown in front of me. Now, I don't really remember what happened. I just kind of blacked out, but I know I didn't, I didn't like this stuff. But if you fast forward it several years later, Valerie actually makes that lasagna multiple times a year. And we sometimes I share that story with my kids, uh, but it's a, it's a talking point to bring Valerie's grandmother and to bring the family, uh, Valerie's grandmother who has passed on uh, to a place at the table. And it's a way to honor them too. So I think food and stories are a big part of it. Yeah, and I'm a story guy. I, I think stories are the containers into which we pour our lives. So I think telling stories and, and this year, maybe you can't all be together, but you can FaceTime. Yeah. There are ways to work around and, and maybe Mike, they're not going to get to have the uh, lasagna right. to all together in the same room. But the stories are things that we can share and, and remembering deceased people, remembering people who occupied those chairs through stories, I think is a powerful way to heal. And I think in, in terms of, again, more lighter mourning of what people are going through this year, not intense grief, you've talked with me about sometimes you travel just for the stories, right? Because whenever yeah. you go traveling, the story comes from it. Well, get this. We have an opportunity this year to do Zoom Thanksgiving meals. Doesn't that sound awful? Yes, it does. But I guarantee you it's <laughs> going to be an important story for our families for years to come. Well, Carmen, this is going to be the most memorable Christmas of most people's lifetime. Yeah. yeah. You know, do we, do we dread it? Yes. Uh, is it something we're looking forward to? No. Is it going to be what we've always done? No, but it will be the most remembered Christmas of our lifetime. And I, I'm hoping that by applying some proactive measures, yeah. we can maximize what is good about what we have in front of us, not what we had. Totally agree. You know, I think one of the important things right now is for us to acknowledge how we're feeling. Um, so just getting with someone and talking about how we're feeling, how we're sad and we're grieving um, what used to be. You know, I remember uh, when my grandmother Anders died, she died a couple years before um, Christmas Eve. And um, after that, we actually uh, had her funeral on Christmas Eve. And so uh, after the funeral, we all went back to grandma's house and there was the Christmas tree and all of the uh, Christmas presents under the tree. I don't know if you guys remember the song, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. Yes, I do remember the song. <laughs> well, one of the lines actually said, should we open up the gifts or send them back? So, um, you know, we all sit there around the Christmas tree and wondered what was the right thing to do. And I remember Pastor Tom Rinkin, um, who was my grandmother's pastor at the time, telling us, you know what? Uh, 
celebrate because that's what she would have wanted. So um, we did, we, we celebrated, uh, we laughed, we cried, we opened our gifts that she gave us and her gifts. And I actually um, still have those gifts today uh, that I can hold on to. But we also began to make new traditions that year. So uh, it was always important to that we sit around the big table and all the china was out. And um, after everything that had gone on, we just felt like we needed to um, make a new tradition. So we all started uh, a buffet line, if you will. And everybody now, we still continue that. We just uh, go through, fill up our plates and sit where we want to and uh, love on one another and share and laugh and joke. And every Christmas we bring this up. So um, yeah, making your new traditions. But I think it's very, very important that you acknowledge those feelings that you're feeling. Absolutely. Another thing I was thinking about is finding contentment is important to having uh, peace in this time. I was just talking with a man a few weeks ago who uh, was divorced later in life, and he was wanting to get back with his wife, but his wife just isn't going to. And then he was talking about the midst of all the, the grief that he's carrying right now. But then he was talking about how his adult children, how well they are doing, how well their spouses are doing, and how well uh, his, his grandchildren are doing. And I didn't share with him much after that because it was just too raw. He was in mourning. But I, I would uh, say or what I was thinking in that moment, you know, he may have uh, had those 25 years with his wife. Maybe it's a time to be grateful for what he had mm. instead of uh, he really wanted this picture to come back together. And I do think there's a time where that picture in our life may not come uh, together like we were hoping it would. And that's a part of grief. And uh, I think getting to that point of contentment and that point of peace is saying, you know what, God, thank you for what you've given me. Thank you for what I have right now. I mean, he had so much to rejoice about. Mm -hmm. Children doing great, you know, grandchildren doing great. But at the same time, uh, uh, there was some mourning going on in his life as well. This Christmas isn't going to be a year to uh, focus on what we want. <laughs> We're not going to get what we want. Yeah. It's a year to appreciate what we have. And I think the task you know, the task in anything calling for resilience is to focus on the cards you have in your hand, yeah. not the ones you used to have in your hand, not the ones you wish you had in your hand, but the ones you've got in your hand. And I think the key this year is going to be to focus on what we have, to count our blessings, like mm -hmm. the old hymn says, name them one by one. And I think that's how we trudge through this. I love your thoughts too, Carmen, about just trying to create some new memories. We may not create traditions this year because there's there may be nothing we do that we want to keep doing. You know, Grandma, we want you to join us by Zoom every single holiday. I don't think we're going to create traditions, but I do think we could create some special memories and things we'll talk about uh, for for maybe even decades yeah. to come. I remember at the first part of this pandemic, my son Zach. We were probably three or four months into it. You know, it was pretty rough. And I said, Zach, how are you doing? And he said, I'm thinking about how my boys will remember this. And, and I said, what do you mean? He said, they will remember this as the best summer of their life. Their dad and mom were home. We spent tons of time together. They hung out with me. They will remember this as the best summer of their life. And so I think this is an opportunity yeah. to make the best out of what we have to count the blessings that we have. And to the extent we can do this, yeah. I think we can still have a very merry 
Christmas. And I love that attitude because yeah. that attitude, even if other people don't want to have it in your immediate family, for instance, maybe you're doing a Zoom Thanksgiving and you want to go all out and, and create some decorations and have some fun. And, and we got dad or grandpa over here who's just, you know, saying, oh, this is terrible. Well, that's fine. That's a memory and they'll probably get over it. So I love having that type of, of joy and that attitude. And speaking of joy, as we start to uh, close things here, you know, uh, we have pastors here. And during the holiday season, there are some people out there who are really in intense grief. Pastor mm -hmm. Carmen, is there even joy possible? In the, I mean, is it even possible to have joy in the midst of intense grief during the holidays? Yeah, I believe that there is, Reverend Mike. Um, one of the, the things, first and foremost, as I said, was to um, talk to God about how they're feeling. But I think also uh, we don't want anyone to feel lonely or isolated. And I feel like they should seek out um, folks in their church and their community. And um, although we can't go to social, social events this year, but I'm just reaching out to somebody. Never stay there and never be alone. Um, and again, making new memories. Um, you know, there's always a lot of stress during the holidays. We get that. Uh, but when you're feeling lonely, that just adds to that stress. So um, talk to a friend or a family member about your concerns. Try reaching out via text. Uh, do a video chat. Um, you know, maybe somebody else is feeling that as well um, and is not comfortable reaching out. So please don't go through this alone. Um, making sure that you're reaching out. And um, of course, Christ Church Congregational Care Team is here to pray with you if you need prayers. Um, and let's just remember this too. The holidays don't always have to be perfect. I mean, when you're thinking back about holidays and we talk about the traditions and we talk about our memories, have you ever really had the perfect holiday? I can't think of a perfect one. You know, sometimes, um, uh, somebody forgot to make the relish or something. I don't know, but um, there's there's never the perfect perfect holiday. Um, so just remember that to reach out and to um, love one another and yeah. Amen. Amen. Reaching out is so important. And I know uh, Shane, you had not the feeling of joy, but you definitely found some joy one time in your life in the midst of uh, intense grief in the holidays. Yeah, stories are incredibly important things to shape us, and they offer context for our pain. It's a place to hang it. I remember 1996, the year before we moved here, uh, Melissa and I were expecting our, our third child. Back then, they didn't do sonograms all the time. They, they did one. They told us it was going to be a boy, and I just remember the joy. That, that we felt. And, and I saw the, the picture of the little guy. He, he had a hand up in the one hand above his head and it looked like he was waving it. And I said, Melissa, we're going to have a Pentecostal. <laughs> and I, I just remember the, the, the joy. And then one day, uh, about this time of year, I was doing a funeral for a family. Melissa had what we thought was a routine uh, doctor's appointment. And this was back before you had cell phones and you knew where everybody was every second of every day. And at the doctor's appointment, they couldn't find the heartbeat for our son. I'm doing the funeral. She can't get a hold of me. I, I'm driving to the doctor because the funeral was over and I wanted to be there with her if I could. And I met her coming home. We stopped alongside the road. She told me the horrific 
news that we had lost our son. And I, I just remember crying until we didn't have any more tears. And, and the next Sunday came around and every Sunday I always, like I do now, I always do God is good. And everybody says all the time, all the time, God is good. And, and I remember I started immediately after your tears, I started to dread Sunday because everybody would expect me to say God is good. And God did not feel good at all. And we got to church and I just like now, I, didn't, I don't pay much attention to the bulletin. I just know what I'm doing because I like to experience the rest in real time. And, and to open the service, Melissa, my wife and her best friend, Sherry, were scheduled to sing a Christmas song. And, and I thought, oh my, and it was all about a baby boy that was in the womb of his mother coming to the earth. And, and, and I just was staring at the cruel irony that my wife with our dead son is still in her womb was singing about the hope of a baby coming to the world. And then I, I just had this, this God moment and it was almost like God just spoke to me and said, am I good or am I not? And if I am not good right now, I wasn't good a month ago and I won't be good a month from now. So I am either intrinsically good or I am not. And you've got about 30 seconds to decide. And when they got done, I stood up and said with a quivering voice, God is good. And the people responded all the time. And I said all the time. And they said, God is good. And, and I call that a moment of reconversion for mm -hmm. me. Uh, and every week I've said that since I'm always acutely aware there are people who are struggling to say that. And at Christmas, you, you look at that empty chair of your spouse of 60 years or a child that you lost, or someone who, who died of COVID that, that shouldn't be gone right now. You look at the empty chairs of your prodigal sons or your prodigal daughters, and you wonder where they are and what they're doing and if they're safe and if they're alive. And it's easy to get overwhelmed and to even doubt the intrinsic goodness of God. But what this always reminds me of, circumstances are not always good. Pain is often going to be a defining feature of a fallen world. But God, God is good. And he's good all of the time. And Carmen and Mike, God is going to be good this Christmas too. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Shane, for sharing and giving all those who are in grief hope during the holidays. Well, we want to thank you for listening to Navigating Change with Shane and Mike. We also want to thank Pastor Carmen for joining us. If this episode was helpful for you or you think it would be helpful for someone you know, share it so others can navigate through the holidays. Thank you for listening and make sure that you keep the change.